Welcome to worship today. My name is Wade Giffen, one of the pastors here at Trinity, and I am so glad that you have joined us for worship today. We are continuing our journey through Lent. We're calling it Learning to Live from the Inside Out. Of course, we know that Lent is characterized by doing a lot of inward spiritual work, and that's really, really important. But this year, we're also trying to think about how that inward work gets lived out in the world as we represent Jesus. We're going to take a look at our next installment of that today. So let's turn now to worship. Well, our first scripture for today, it talks about the way that God meets our needs and God quenches our thirst. And so I invite you now to hear these words from the book of Exodus, chapter 17, verses 1 through 7. From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses. And they said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So my, Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do for this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it so that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? May God add a blessing to this reading. Um, our second uh, pa uh, passage is, uh, is in the Gospel of John, and we're over um, at the fourth chapter. And uh, I invite you to hear this good news about Jesus according to John's writing. So we came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria. Jews do not share things in common with, with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? 
Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> have you picked out a theme in worship this week yet? Uh, it's kind of wet in here, isn't it? Uh, you know, as we, um, as we looked at the texts that were appointed for this, is this a third week? Fourth week, third week of Lent. Um, we knew we really needed to focus on the presence of water as a part of the journey of faith, not just where we are today, but right there at the first chapter of the Bible in Genesis at creation, we start seeing water. And so it's in both of our um, passages today. Now, each of our passages, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live in the Old Testament passage for a minute. Well, okay, for 10 minutes maybe. And then I'm going to shift over to that gospel lesson that I just read. And I want you to listen for how the Old Testament lesson sets a foundation for what Jesus will do later on. Now, each of these texts give us a different perspective on water, but they proclaim a reality that is a part of our reality. We are thirsty people. We drink a lot of water. Have you ever um, gone to like a store like REI or one of these kind of high-end places and gone to the aisle where the insulated cups and water bottles are, Right? I mean, it's a massive industry these days. Our instinct, for example, at Christmas is to buy somebody a water bottle for their stocking. Why do we do that? Um, there, it, there is a water bottle to, um, to fulfill your needs, it seems, there. And, and let me just let you in on a little secret. The technology is about the same from manufacturer to ma manufacturer. And we have these fads associated with insulated cups. I mean, I don't know what your favorite is, but is your experience like mine? We have this cabinet in our kitchen. It's up high. Are you with me yet? And, and it's full of those cups and those water bottles. And, and when you go to reach for the one you want, it's never the one in front. And they come tumbling down on your head. Now, you might like Yeti. Um, I've got bright lights in my eyes, but I see some Yetis in the crowd. Or maybe yours is Hydro Flask or Brewmate. And of course, that latest fad is what? Can you get it? Come on, tell me. Stanley, you got it, exactly. The Stanley Cup, which I looked online for, and they're running between 30 and 50 bucks for a cup. 
And so there's a, there's, you know, a marketing challenge out there for you to buy whichever one. So um, now the one I use the most is a Yeti knockoff. This is um, Ozark. And it's from a big box discount store, and it costs $8. And I'll put it up against the Yeti any day. And when you lose it, it's not as much of a tragedy when that happens. Regardless of your favorite, we're reminded that we are people who are thirsty. And we always find ways to have with us what it takes to quench our thirst. I mean, we, we drink water for good reason. We can't live very long without it. Um, as I was getting ready for today, I texted one of the docs in our congregation, and I said, I just want to make sure that I got this right. Um, uh, we, can't, we can't survive without water for, you know, how long? And the response was three to five days. It, it's a critical resource for our existence. It's like, it's like air. And so no wonder people get so freaked out when there are droughts and when the lakes are drying up. We don't have that so much here in this part of the country in which we live in Ohio. We've got lots of water sources around us, but there are places like Utah, for example, that is suffering from drought. The Utah governor in 2021 shot a video that was pushed out to the people of Utah where he was asking the people of Utah to pray for rain, to pray for rain. So drink up, gang. So I think that might explain some of the desperation that the people of God, Pastor Kim, you read this story for us this morning, that the people of God were experiencing during that time. They were moving from Egypt, right, in the Exodus, from slavery to the promised land so that they could be in a place of freedom. And they were thirsty. They were in the desert. There was no water. There was nothing to drink. And as it is with human nature, they forgot about how bad it was in Egypt. What their plight was like when they were living in slavery because our vision gets short-sighted when we're thirsty. They forgot slavery. When they became uncomfortable, when they became cold, when they became hungry, when they became thirsty, they would let Moses know. And they didn't hesitate to gripe to Moses. Because what they often did, and you can look at it in the story of the Exodus, is they would project their current misery onto Moses. It's your fault that you took us out of slavery and brought us out here in the desert to dry, to die. They, they forgot all that. And if you are a Bible student, you will know that by the time of this journey, they had complained to Moses for water already on the way a few times. It's a recurring theme. And, and that makes sense. I mean, they're out, they're out in the desert. How many water bottles can you take with you to survive 40 years in the desert, right? And panic. When we're thirsty, we panic. It was setting in. Instead of a question, they go to Moses and they make a demand. They said, not like, hey, man, is there a river coming up or some water? It's like, give us 
water to drink. Now, we don't appreciate um, in the English translation what we have when it says that they complained. Um, what it really has a sense is, is like they're filing a formal complaint against Moses. I mean, it's the, it's the kind of thing when you've lost confidence in a leader or you don't like a direction they're going. Uh, I mean, maybe if we were using our modern language, we would say they began impeachment against Moses. That's what that word is like. And maybe it's because they were parched in the desert. Maybe it's because they were being motivated by fear rather than reality that they were going to die. And so they made this excessive move. Give us water or get out. Or, or, or it might be like, hey, Moses, it's either the waterway or the highway, right? One way or the other. And Moses was ticked. He was ticked off. He was following God's direction. And he had this sense, you can, you can feel it in the text, when he talks about how when they question this reality, they are really questioning God, not him. You call this a rescue, they say, you brought us out here to die. We're dying, our kids are dying, our animals are going to die too. And so God God, or so Moses gets upset, like, God, what, what am I going to do? All right, take that staff, go to a rock, hit the rock, I'll be there, and water will flow. So the insight that I, I gain in this Old Testament lesson is twofold. One is it's a loud proclamation that God will provide. God will provide. It's reinforced over, over in the scriptures. The God who created us, when God was creating us, had already created this creation in which God had placed everything we would need to survive. It's all here. God provides. The second thing, insight, is that is this. This is, what, this is this dynamic that's going on between the people and Moses and God, right? The second thing is this. As those who represent God to the people or to the world, how we respond to the need reflects on the God we proclaim to follow. That's how people are, are going to see the God we follow is through the lens of you and me. How we respond as persons who claim the name Christian is a reflection to folks on the Jesus that we follow. Does that make sense? So we need water. Um, we'll go out of our way to make sure that we have it. And we're reminded again and again in the Old Testament, like today's lesson, of that reality. So, so what, I, what I want you to take from this is, is the Old Testament scriptures are deeply steeped in the presence of water when God is trying to move or save people, water is a common element. I mean, in our, in our baptism liturgy, you know that prayer that we pray over the water when we, when we baptize? Um, we, we say things like, when nothing existed but chaos, God swept across what? Water and brought forth Fourth light. In that same prayer, when we baptize, we say, you saved, in the days of Noah, you saved those through uh, because of water. Uh, in that same prayer, we say, 
when you saw your people slaves in Egypt, that's today's passage, right? You brought them to freedom through the sea. It goes on and on and on. So there's the setting, all right? We've done the Old Testament piece, and it probably took at least 10, right? Now, we're going to transition to the, old, or to the gospel lesson, and here's the hinge that takes us from a people who get water to what Jesus did with it at the well. It's the backdrop for this experience. Now, where's, where's Jesus in the journey at this point? Jesus and the disciples are traveling from Judea in the south, and they're on their way up to Galilee, which is a little bit north. And between Judea and Galilee is an area called Samaria. They had to cross through or travel through Samaria on their way, and more specifically, a city called Sychar. Now, those two details, Samaria and Sychar, are critical to the story. Why so? Well, let's talk about Sychar. What is Sychar? Sychar is a city, and there's something in this city called Jacob's Well. And Jacob's well is known in their tradition because when they needed water, they, there was a, Jacob dug a well and gave it to his son Joseph, and that well still existed, and it was a place that the people of God were assured that they would have water for themselves, for their families, for their livestock, etc. So it is a geographical place that the people of God go to to get water. Um, I've been there a couple of times, and, and I've actually drank water from Jacob's well myself. As a matter of fact, here's a much younger and better-looking Wade drinking. What a, what a dork. But <laughs> there I am. Uh, that was about a decade ago, um, drinking. That's Jacob's well right there. It's a revered site. I mean, there's a church built. There's a building built over it now. And it ties to the reality that the people of God know that God will provide. Okay? So there's the backdrop. You can take me away now. <laughs> Jesus understood the significance of the place um, and that they would get it. So that's Sychar. The second detail that's really important in the text today is that they were in Samaria. That's important. Because when you chart Jesus' travels, this is a turning point in his life as he moves from places where he would have been with those who were traditionally in Judaism to through a place where um, he would turn to folks that they would consider enemies or outsiders. I mean, the Samaritans, I mean, they were, they were gross to the Israelites. I mean, yuck. Samaritans, the Israelites and Samaritans despised each other. And, it, and, it's a, and that's an important understanding. Jesus is teaching with a Samaritan. Yuck, they might have been thinking. And not only that, but a Samaritan woman raises it even more. She had two strikes in the common culture that would have kept her down. And she's the one that Jesus went to, went to. And what's he trying to say? He wants people to understand that this kingdom of God he's talking about, it's not just for the Jews. Jesus is ushering in this new age. It's for all people. 
And by the way, that means you. You're in, I'm in. Because Jesus made that happen. So what is Jesus saying when he's, make, when he's visiting with this woman? I mean, what's, what's his visit say to us? He's, it's kind of that you think that you are thirsty and need water like all of these ancient stories that they would have known, but you'll be thirsty again and you're going to have to come back here to drink. We have in us a thirst that only God can quench. Jesus says that in his words. Here it is right here, John 4, 13. He says, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. Jesus crosses all the barriers that we have set up. The scandal of the story is that Jesus would love this woman, this Samaritan woman, and he turns to her and says, give me a drink. He asked her. Jesus initiated the conversation. He doesn't come to her and say, hey, let me fix you. Glad you're here at the well today. And then she was a little skeptical. She was like, man, you don't have a bucket. That well is deep. Where are you going to get this water, this living water? Thanks, but what I really need is, is water. It's like, it's like us when it's like, what I really need is what I can hold in my hand, what I can put in my pocket. That's going to satisfy. What I really need is recognition from people like me. What I really need is stuff. And I can get that with my own bucket. So thanks, but no thanks. And here's our, here's our experience. We, we drop our own bucket into the well and we drink. And we drop it in again and we drink again. And we drop and we drink. And we drop and we drink. And we drop and we drink. And still we're thirsty for something. It's never enough. We thirst. We search. We are settled for a while. And then we come back. Give me this water always. She didn't really know what he was offering, not really, but she had a sense that he had something that she needed. There was a whisper of hope, a relieving of some long-held pain. She, she leaned toward it with hand outstretched. And the obvious question is this. Jesus says, if we drink of the water he offers us, we will never be thirsty. So why am I still thirsty? We asked. Why, why, why do I still have emptiness? Is it because I haven't asked? Is it because the buckets I'm trying to use are insufficient? Why do we not embrace the life that, that he offers? Can it really be that simple? I uh, just got to ask for it? Like, you know, he says, just ask for it and I'll give it to you. There's got to be some catch. You see, we get our thirstinesses, if that's really a word, but we're going to use it today, plural. We get our thirstinesses, uh, confused. There is on the one hand the thirst we have because we really, our bodies need water. We got to drink something. But there is on the other hand a thirst, a longing, a deep place, a desire for something. We can't quite put our finger on it, not quite sure what it is, but we know that we need that. We're thirsty. And we have forgotten that that is a God-shaped longing that's built into us. There, there is, there's something I believe about the way God created us. I believe that God put in us when we were made a longing, a longing for something. 
Other words we use for longing might be hunger or thirst. We have an insatiable hunger, an insatiable thirst, a longing for something we can't quite identify. And sometimes we think we can satisfy this inner longing with a drink of water or a big fat juicy hamburger. Or maybe with a relationship that's new or maybe, maybe I go buy these things things it's going to satisfy that hunger and it's not until we discover that it is a god-shaped hunger it is a longing for god when we realize it that we can't fill it with anything but living water it can only be filled can only be satisfied with the things of god that's what living water does the living water that jesus offers in the text today the living water that jesus offers you right now, that's what it does. Maybe if we knew how to fill the emptiness, we wouldn't be so frightened. Maybe if we knew how to resolve loneliness, we wouldn't feel so empty and hollow. Maybe if we could find a way to fill the void that feels dark, we could see again. Maybe when we're so dry, so parched, we could find something so we wouldn't be thirsty, we wouldn't be like that anymore. That's what Jesus offered at the well. Living water, living water. I have a hunch that woman's life was changed forever. Yours can be, mine can be. Jesus made it pretty easy, he said, I can just ask for it and I'll give you this living water. And so the invitation of the text today is to ask for it that you might also experience that living water, but not just for you. Remember, this series is inside out. But that we would ask for that for our own sake so that we can be engaged for the sake of Jesus for folks in the world where our souls are walking around. So come, drink deeply of the water of life. And pray for opened eyes when that thirst is quenched to look for thirsty people around you. Y'all, we live in a community that's filled with thirsty people, parched and dry. You know the community we live in, we're filling it with stuff and relationships and other things. There's an emptiness that can't be filled with that stuff. Only living, only living water. Only living water. You need it. I need it this morning. And we need to be folks who can share that, that good news. Okay, I'm way out of time. On your way out of here today, you might have noticed in the narthex, if you came in from the parking lot, we have the baptismal font out there in the middle. Just slap a little water on your way out of here today and uh, be reminded that, uh, that you've experienced living water this morning. Pastor Kim, would you please help us pray? and experience that living water. Um, and then I'm going to say goodbye now, Chris, and you'll just give us some music to take us out here. Okay, Pastor Kim, will you pray for us? Well, let us pray. Oh, God, you are a God of compassion and love. Time after time, we've experienced your care. We've experienced the ways that you take care of us and meet our needs. Time after time, you've answered our prayers and you've met our longing. 
And you often do this in ways that we could never have dreamed possible. And so, Lord, we just thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your love. Because knowing all of this, we can bring to you our hearts and our minds and everything that's weighing on us to you. Oh, Lord, we see pain and suffering in the world around us. And some of us are experiencing it in our own lives, too. We could carry so many feelings, whether it's anxiety or frustration or despair, loneliness, sometimes even anger. And it's easy to feel overwhelmed at times. We try to do things ourselves. We try to control everything. We try to manage things on our own. But the truth is, we need you. Something inside of us is empty without you. And so, Lord, we bring our prayers to you this day. We bring them to you because you've created us to be in relationship with you and because we know that nothing is impossible to you. You're a God who rained down bread from the heaven. You made water flow from the rock in the desert. You're the God who resurrected Jesus Christ from the dead. And you are the God who brings new life and hope to all who believe. And so, Lord, we turn to you again this day, and we're asking for that living water. Lord, give us the living water to sustain us, to refresh us and renew us, to restore us, to fill us and guide us, to inspire us and to move us. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So thanks for joining us in worship today as we continue our journey through the season of Lent. I trust this week you will be given an opportunity to apply some of what you experienced today in worship. And I pray for God's grace for you to be able to do that. Look forward to seeing you back here next Sunday for our next installment. Until then, God bless you and have a great week.